Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's build a tower to heaven. In other words, let's ascend to God. This is what the uh, people in our Old Testament lesson said. And for this sin of pride and arrogance, God descended in judgment to confuse the language of the people and to scatter them. The judgment of God at Babel is partially undone on the day of Pentecost as the apostles were given the gift of tongues. Pentecost, of course, is the 50th day of Easter, and on this day, in Jesus' time, this would have been the Feast of Weeks, which is why there were many people from all over the world that were gathered in Jerusalem. That would have been a day of pilgrimage, and they would have been there. Um, And, of course, it's no surprise that God would choose that day to pour his Spirit out upon his disciples who were given to speak languages that they had never known. And to be clear, the speaking of tongues was was not and is not speaking unknown languages. It's, It's a bunch of Galileans speaking multiple different languages so that people who had come from Rome were hearing Latin. And people who had come from all over the world were hearing in their own language because it was being spoken in their own language. Was this miraculous gift, this pouring out so much, uh, so much of a, a miracle that, uh, or a sight, so much of a sight that, that the people said, these people must be drunk. No, Peter said, no, they're, they're not drunk. This, what you see right now on this day is a fulfillment of the prophet Joel and what he said. So there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And and they were there to witness this. And then they took this faith with them back to where they had come from all over the world. We see the uh, coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost also as a fulfillment of prophecy, not just from Joel, but of a fulfillment of these words that we read in our gospel lesson from Jesus, who himself spoke to the disciples, to the apostles in the upper room, and he said, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So indeed, the events of Pentecost are monumental. On this day, there would be 3,000 people saved. And those people would take that word back to their homes. And the church would grow from there exponentially. I suppose because of the miraculous events that it's easy to focus on the events themselves. But I want to turn our focus and our attention this morning to the word and to what Jesus said to the apostles on the night when he was betrayed. This is where where our gospel lesson is. This is the setting of our gospel lesson. Jesus in, in John 14, Jesus is in the upper room and he's speaking to the apostles telling them that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will come to them. He was preparing the apostles at this time for what was to come. Namely, 
his betrayal, his arrest, his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension, and then ultimately the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus answered him, we read from John 14, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. In this brief statement, Jesus is answering a question from Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other Judas had asked a question. He had said, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And so Jesus gives this answer to clarify that. And the answer is simple and yet profound. First, there's two types of people. Like, like all these jokes, you know, there's two types of people in the world. There's two types of people, those who love and those who don't. Secondly, those who love are those who have faith, who have heard his word and believed. They are loved by God. And Jesus says, who comes and makes his home with them. The one who loves keeps his word. There are eyewitnesses, when you think about it, there's eyewitnesses to Jesus' miracles who believed that he had performed miracles. They saw it. They believed it. Yeah, he's, he's a real miracle worker. But they denied the significance of it. Jesus is telling them over and over again, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. I am the Son of God. He's saying this, and they just won't, they won't accept that. There were people who would not accept that. They bore witness to the events, yet they denied the impact. Or worse, sometimes they accused him of being demonic. Some people said he casts out demons by the power of Beelzebul, basically saying that, that it was the power of Satan by which Jesus was casting out demons. Well, all of this shows us that knowledge itself does not constitute faith, not saving faith. Rather, it is trust in God and trust in Christ and trust in the word of Christ that constitutes faith. Now, I want to go back to the statement of keep my word, and I want to make sure that there's no confusion about this and that it does not get turned into a law. Okay, when he says keep my word, it doesn't mean keep the law. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that the one who loves him keeps the law perfectly and is free from sin, as some people would teach. That's false. Uh, it's the, the Greek word that's, that's used, that's translated keep. Keep is a, a word, tereo, which means, uh, it can mean a number of things, and it can mean to observe or to keep in this sense, but um, that's not the best way to understand it. It means to keep guard over, to like keep watch over something, um, to preserve or to pay attention to. So when he says, keep my words, it means, or keep, keep my word, it means to hear his word, to believe his word to be true, to observe that it is true and it is God's word. It means to retain it and not deny it, for example. That's what keep my word means. And of course, if, this, if his word is true, which it is, and he gives us certain precepts that we should follow, then we would naturally want to follow them. After all, he's God. 
He's our God. He's our great, merciful, loving, gracious God. So, of course, we would want to keep his, his word and his precepts and his laws. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't lie. Of course, we want to do all of those things. And that's right. That's not exactly what he's saying, though, when he says, keep my word. He's, he's saying, observe all of it and remember and recognize that all of it is true. That's a better understanding of what he's saying when he says, keep my word. So Jesus has spoken to the apostles. He's given them his word, which is the word that comes from the father, but he is leaving soon. When he leaves, the word will continue by the power of the Holy Spirit. What Jesus has spoken in their presence, the Holy Spirit will continue to minister to them and remind them of it. That's why he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So this was, of course, fulfilled immediately on the day of Pentecost. The Helper came. The Holy Spirit came. He reminded them of his word, and they were able to preach to all of these people who then took it out into the world. But it was also fulfilled in, the continue, in, in a continuous fashion in a couple ways. First, initially, by enabling the apostles to record his word, right? What do we have here in the Bible? These are the words of the apostles. The apostles were with Jesus for a period of over three years in which he taught them. Um, they didn't always understand what he was saying. In fact, oftentimes they totally misunderstood what he was saying. But these are the witnesses who are going to record the Gospels and give that to the church so that the ministry of the word will continue. Here's another complexity. Jesus often spoke in, most certainly spoke in Aramaic, most of the time, Hebrew. Well, the Gospels ultimately were recorded in Greek. That's a different language. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from the Gospel writers. Okay, from Matthew, Mark, Peter, Luke, John, Mary, and others that contributed to the work of the Gospels. Right, because Luke was interviewing and, and talking to Mary and gathering information from her as he recorded his gospel. And Matthew was recollecting because he was with Jesus from the beginning. And Mark was writing for Peter because Peter was the apostle who was bearing witness to these things. And Mark was writing it for Peter based on what Peter told him. I don't want to take anything away from them. Their sweat and toil in recollecting, recollecting and recording these events are commendable. But what I want to draw out is that the promised helper, the Holy Spirit, was with them, bringing to their remembrance all of these words. That's why you can see how you might say, how could they watch him for three years, listen to him, come back years later and record all of this information with accuracy? Of course, skeptics would say that. Well, how could they do it with total accuracy? Well, they had a little help, folks. That's the whole point. <laughs> they had some help. They wrote as the Spirit carried them along and enabled them to do that. The Word is the means by which the church is built. Ephesians 
The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's their writings. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Through the word, we see that the work of the Holy Spirit continues in our own day because he bears witness to the word. As we pick up and read the the Bible, God works faith in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Just as there were eyewitnesses in Jesus' day who denied that he was the Savior, there are people today who read the very same Bible that we read. I mean, there are people who are knowledgeable. They're like scholars. They know the Greek language. They do the translation. They look at all of the, all of the various manuscripts and textual evidence, and then they critique the Bible. And they are not believers. They're very knowledgeable about it, but they're not believers. Well, why is that? Because it's not an intelligence condition. Faith is not about your intelligence. It is about your trust. It is a spiritual condition. We don't make faith. We don't like will ourselves to have faith and believe. We don't do that. God works faith in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And thank God for that because there are things that we can't believe on our own. We can't assent to them on our own, but we do because of the Holy Spirit working in us. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the Apostle Paul said the natural person, the natural person, in other words, mankind as he exists apart from God's grace, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. Not only does he not accept them, but they're just foolishness and silly. He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. It is a condition of the Spirit as God working in you. It is the continuing, ongoing work of God the Holy Spirit. Poured out on the day of Pentecost, poured out on the apostles as they recorded the word, which we now read in our Bible, and poured out on us now, even now as we hear his word and contemplate the saving work of Christ for your sins. If you come this morning to repent of your sin, to hear the word of God and to draw near to God, If you've come here for that purpose, give thanks that God the Holy Spirit has done that work within you. It's not your own doing, but that of God the Holy Spirit who has come to you and made his home in you just as Jesus said he will do for those who love him and keep his word. Today is a celebration. Rejoice, the promised helper, the Holy Spirit, Sometimes we hear the word paraclete. That's from the the Greek word, but it gets transliterated. And people will say paraclete. Have you heard that word paraclete before for the Holy Spirit? Well, if you do hear it, you'll know what it means. That's the Holy Spirit, the helper. Sometimes people use the word the advocate. that, That could be used also. The Holy Spirit came to the apostles. He came to the church and he has come to you and taken up his home in you. How cool is that? Cool is not even the right word. How awesome, how wonderful is that? What on earth do I have to fear, to be afraid of, to be depressed about, to be anxious about? God, the Holy Spirit is in me and in you. God God has come to us. He bears witness to the word, namely that Jesus Christ has died for your sins and that you are forgiven. And I want to close with the words from our 
uh, lesson from Acts 2. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.